0: What's up, Raptors fans? Ben here. As always, I've got my fellow basketball experts Aaron and Gavin with me. And on this episode of the Raptors Review, we're going to be looking at whether the Raptors should be buyers or sellers going into the trade deadline. And we also look back at some preseason predictions that we made about things like Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, Biggest Flop, that kind of thing. If you know anything about our track record with predictions, it's not going to be great. I don't know why we're embarrassing ourselves in public like this. But we are. So let's dive in.
1: So the Raptors this week played two games, much to our surprise. Last week on the podcast, we said we didn't think we'd be seeing the Raptors on their court again until after the all-star break. However, they surprised us. And Wednesday night, they played on the Tampa Bay Arena floor and they lost to the Detroit Pistons in what might have been the ugliest game of the year. They lost 105 to 129. And then on Thursday, back to back, they played the Boston Celtics in TD Garden and lost again, 125 to 132. Notably in these games, we were missing quite a few players, including Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, and most of our coaching staff. Raptors now have a record of 17 and 19 for eighth in the East and a 1.7 point differential per 100 possessions. That makes them ninth in the league in that stat with a 10th rated offense in the league and a 14th rated defense. So what did you guys think of the
0: games this week? I think as Aaron mentioned last week, he thought the Raptors were being smart strategically by everyone getting COVID at once. So I think this was a bit of a strategic blunder from them. Not enough players had COVID this week to really cancel all the games. So I think that was a bit of a miss. Um, It was unfortunate. Playing shorthanded, I think it's tough to win and it is what it is. I think this is just the reality of the COVID season. Everyone's going to drop games like this yeah it's hard to take anything away from the games when you're missing
2: three of your four best players right Mm -hmm. and and boston played pretty well that game so you know if if they're healthy they're just going to have a lot more talent than the raptors did i didn't watch the pistons game because i refuse to watch pistons games it's a religious objection for me so sorry i missed that one boys The Pistons game was kind of interesting. The first
1: quarter, the Pistons just took off from the three-point line. I think they scored 42 points in the first quarter. Nope, I'm sorry. 43 points in the first quarter to Toronto's 37. The offenses were going. And to be honest, the Pistons were shooting really well. But the Raptors also gave up a lot of really open shots. And it seemed like that momentum, specifically Wayne Ellington, carried the Pistons through that game. And the Raptors just didn't have it in them to match... uh, this ferocious shooting. One thing I do want to note though, is that Kyle Lowry looked pretty good in both games, particularly, um, the game against the Boston Celtics. He put up a career high 19 assists and was out there, you know, doing his Kyle Lowry thing that we all have grown to love over the years. Chris Boucher also put up 30 points in that game. So it wasn't like, you know, our secondary stars didn't stand up and, uh, try to carry us, but, uh, Without those three big names, O.J. Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam, it's just hard to get a win.
2: Yeah, the, the guys that could be traded played really well, which is, yeah, that's a good takeaway for them. I like that.
1: Yeah, true. Maybe they raise their value.
0: <laughs> I think that segues nicely into the next thing that I wanted to talk about is, what are the Raptors going to do at the trade deadline this year? It's coming up on March 25th. And I think there's going to be some interesting decisions to made. Are we buyers? Are we sellers? If you look at the state of the league right now, especially with the play-in tournament changes, I think there's a lot more teams that are trying to make the playoffs and there's a lot fewer sellers this year. And so I think that could give the Raptors an opportunity to maximize the trade value of some of their players. But it remains to be seen whether they want to do that or if they want to try and make a playoff run. What do you guys think the Raptors are going to do?
1: Well, I think... When you look at it, the NBA trade market really reminds me of the Toronto housing market. Complete seller's market right now. A lot of teams think they have a chance. There's a lot of teams that haven't been in the playoffs in a number of years that because of the play-in tournament think they can jump up into those 10th seeds or even up into the 8th seed for some teams. And there's just not a lot of players out there. And even the buyout market, I mean, you got Blake Griffin, DeMarcus Cousins, but there's doesn't seem like there's that many quality pieces out there, particularly for teams that aren't based in LA or New York. So I think if I was the Raptors, I'd be looking to take advantage of this and I would be selling, selling hard on probably guys like Norman Powell and Kyle Lowry. Those are the two big names, but even some of the other guys on this team, like Bembry or something like that, that we can flip, if we can get some good pieces, I'd be completely down to do it.
2: So I'm going to disagree with both of you guys here. I think that there's a third option and that's being holders. It's not buying, it's not selling. It's just keeping the roster that you have with so much volatility this year. I think the Raptors can convince themselves that if they're healthy, come playoff time and they get the right breaks, that they have a shot to to maybe do something in the playoffs, maybe make a conference finals, something like that. And, and when you're trying to build a, a young team, getting valuable playoff experience is so good for you. So I think they they might just hold their players, especially if Kyle Lowry doesn't want to be traded. They're not going to trade him against his will. And that's really, I think, the only way that the Raptors press the sell button is if Kyle Lowry asks to go.
0: To that point, Aaron, the, the Raptors' best lineup with their five best players, Fred, Kyle, Norm, OG, and Pascal, that lineup has played just a bit over 100 possessions together so far this season. And to give some context to that, the team with the lineup with the most possessions is at 900 right now. And that's the Pelicans' starting lineup. So our best guys have really only played together like a tiny amount of the season. And I think the Raptors could look at that and say, okay, we haven't really had our team together. And they could be pretty optimistic about going to the playoffs. If everyone's healthy, that they have a real shot at doing something interesting.
1: I'm not disagreeing with you guys. I think they could, you know, win a first round series, maybe even a second round series, But there's just a lot of really good teams out there. When you look at the Nets, the LA teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, the Jazz, even Philly, the way they're playing. I just think if we are in that tier, which if things go well, maybe we can get to that tier. We're definitely not the top of the list or even the top three of the list. And with the market the way it is, being such a seller's market, I think we can extract maximum value for some of these assets. Guys like Kyle Lowry, who's aging on the last year of his deal. We don't know if he's going to return or not. I can't tell that, but maybe the Raptors know something I don't. That might change it a little bit. Guys like Norman Powell, whose stock seems to be at an all-time high right now. He's got another year after this on his deal. But after that, if he keeps playing like this, he's going to get paid. And I don't know if the Raptors should be willing to pay as much as he's going to want and deserve with the numbers and scoring needs he's putting up. I just see this as a great opportunity to maximize the value of our assets, move on and get some young chips or maybe draft picks or whatever we might get just to retool our team and build around our core of OG and Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam.
0: Gavin, the, most of the teams you mentioned there are in the Western Conference and we only need to play one of those. I think... The Raptors are looking at the Eastern Conference and being like, this is pretty wide open. Outside of the Nets, which I think at this point are clear favorites, Philly hasn't had proven playoff success. Boston's vulnerable, even though we match up horribly against them. Miami's had a rough season as well. I think the Raptors could talk themselves into, if everything goes right, that they're in the conference finals against the Nets. And then who knows, there's like one COVID outbreak away from going to the finals, and you never know what can happen. It just okay. it, it feels then like I got to
1: stop you. I got to yeah. stop you. Do you really honestly think the Raptors could beat Milwaukee Bucks in a 7 game series?
0: Okay, I forgot about Milwaukee. Milwaukee is think also that in better? that Philadelphia tier. Um, Do you think the Raptors no, could beat the I don't Sixers think they're better than any of these series. teams. I don't think they're better than okay, any of well, these teams. Okay, well there you teams. go. If
1: they're not better than any of those but, teams, what are we doing trying to trick ourselves into thinking we can make the Eastern Conference Finals? Like that's why you know it's the not Raptors. True.
0: haven't been healthy this season. So I think they can talk themselves into it if they have all their guys together and they're playing well if Siakam has a bit of a resurgence. This is Kyle's last year. Let's go with a hurrah. Let's try and do what we can. They could even be buyers at the deadline. They could try and add a piece like a center. Um I Definitely I don't, don't think, think it's ridiculous buyers. to say that. I don't yeah. believe that they will do that. Like I don't think they're good enough, but I don't think it's ridiculous for them to try, I guess is my point.
2: I I just think that they should be holders. Like like unless Kyle Lowry wants to go, there's just no reason to to blow it up, right? So why? I think hold? that there are teams that should that should blow it up. Like the Orlando Magic, they've got a bunch of nice players and they're pretty bad and like if they're playing for a play-in tournament, you're not going anywhere. Like they should blow it up. They should be sellers. I don't know about the Raptors though.
1: I was more into the hold strategy before <laughs> the whole core of the team got COVID, you know? I mean, we don't know for sure that they have COVID. It could just be contact tracing. But even if two of those key members have COVID-19, we saw some tweets from Sham saying that there was seven positives amongst players, and most of those players were concentrated on one team. He retweeted later on, adding that that was the Toronto Raptors. If even two of those guys, Fred and, Fred and uh, OG or Pascal and OG or any combination has COVID, We don't know when they're going to be back and when they're going to be 100%. Our record could tank and we could end up getting against the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. It it just seems like a really uphill battle at this point. And I think we're just really fooling ourselves if we think we even are a top five seed at the end of this. And I just think we're never going to get more value for the pieces that we have than right now. It is such a seller's market. Like, let's capitalize and do something. Holding doesn't do anything. Kyle just leaves to go to a team that has a championship chance later on or he stays with the team and we overpay him and he gets older like that it's such a low opportunity cost to trade him
2: but what if the raptors know that kyle lowry is just going to resign with him with them again this offseason right? for how much like like $10 I mean, if they million think they in. have the inside track on that can no, kyle even be like overpaid is it possible
0: yeah. to overpay kyle lowry
2: Like he's consistently gotten these short deals from the Raptors. So it could just be continuing being like, as long as you're happy here, we'll keep, we'll keep paying you what you're worth. And then we can trade you as soon as you want to leave. Right. Where does that
1: get uh, the Raptors?
2: It gets them to being a fun, awesome team. that continues to develop their guys.
1: They're going to be a fun team without him. With with Fred taking a step forward, with Siakam taking more of the offensive low. OG, they're fun regardless. They'll be even more fun if they get some young players like Maxi on their squad. I don't know about that, but
0: we'll see. see. I do tend to agree with you that this is absolutely a seller's market, and the Raptors probably could get awesome value. When I look at the rest of the teams in the league, I think in the East, the Cavs, Pistons, and Magic are probably sellers. But outside of that, there's not not another clear team in the East that doesn't want to try and make the playoffs this season, or at least the play-in, and is going to be willing to give up players. And in the West, there's four teams, the Thunder, Kings, Rockets, and Timberwolves. But all those teams, they don't really have anything good to trade. Outside of maybe the Magic, if they want to give up Vucevic or like Evan Fournier, I don't see any other team that has good assets to give up for a playoff team. And so the Raptors, I think, would be in a prime position to just get a bidding war started for Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell. So they probably could get awesome value for them. I do, I do think at the end of the day, it does just come down to what Kyle wants. And he's going to chart the, the direction of this franchise going forwards.
2: I think one of the sort of things that's going on in the market that we might not be fully understanding here is that the top teams, the teams that are sort of in the inner circle of contenders, they've already shot their shots. They've already traded everything that they can, right? The Lakers traded everything for Anthony Davis. They can't do anything. The Clippers traded everything for Kawhi. They can't do anything, right? The Nets traded everything for James Harden. They can't do anything. Like these are the teams that, that have nothing left to give and these are the teams that are most all in and and so there's not really there's not really a lot of teams out there that
0: that it makes sense to go all in and get some raptors pieces that just feels like wrong though because a lot of these other teams that are on the borderline of being contenders why don't they why wouldn't they want to just take a stab and go all in this season and it's not really all in like you're not sacrificing the future of your franchise if you're trading for Kyle Lauer you're not going to give up five draft picks for him you're probably going to give up two draft picks or a young player and a draft pick and for Norm it's probably one unprotected draft pick or a young player it's not like it's not really going all in and like a team like the Celtics they could absolutely use Norman Powell and that would probably give them Maybe not a t- completely realistic shot because I think the Nets would still be heavily favored, but that would give them a much better chance going against some of the top, other top teams in the East. And so you look at the like the Celtics, the Heat, Philadelphia, all those teams. I think Denver could be, but by- yeah, Denver think, as well could be buyers. Like I think there's I a think lot of any buyers. If of those
2: teams get Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell, they're at the level of the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Nets, right? So like you you're kind of just like moving assets all in this year. Not not necessarily all in. You're moving future assets to be better this year, but still
0: not be one of the top teams. But there's so much variance in the season that I think just improving your odds slightly, sure, you you're still not favored against the other top teams, but just improving those odds, I think, is worth it. Like going from a 5% chance to a 7% chance of going to the finals. Like that math, I think, for teams is that's like good that's good odds for them. Like they would do that, I think, in a lot of cases, if they don't have to give up too much.
1: I truthfully think teams like Philly, Miami, and Denver really believe that if they added Kyle Lowry, they could be a finals team. I really do think that that would put those teams into that conversation. Boston, if they fix their bench, I mean they've been to the conference finals a bunch of times in the past four years. Adding to that bench, just a bit more scoring and they get their team healthy, Marcus Smart back, they could be in the finals. You know, we saw Miami pull into the finals last year, and I think a lot of teams saw that and are thinking that could be us. And if we add another piece, it probably is going to be us. I think there's actually quite a bit of a market for guys like Kyle and especially Norman Powell on his contract. There's a market.
2: Mm-hmm. that Brooklyn Nets stand in the way. And I think teams want to save save their assets to make a bigger move, to get a, to get a guy like Bradley Beal on their team that makes a much bigger difference on the same salary as, as a guy like Kyle Lowry.
0: The Brooklyn Nets, I don't think any team... like They're so unproven that I don't think the teams are shaking their boots about Brooklyn. I think they have a justified respect for them, but they haven't proven that they can do this in a playoff series. They're a scary team, but they don't have a defense. I think a lot of teams would view the East as relatively wide open at this point. And if they can get a little bit better, they can go to the finals. I think they can talk themselves into that, whether they're right or wrong. Like at the end of the day, it could very well still just be Brooklyn that comes out of the East, but you have to take a shot. And if you have a if you if you can sniff the finals, I think you should go for it because how many times is it going to roll around? Your star player could get injured next season, and then all of a sudden you're out of contention forever. Like, I think you have to take a shot when you can.
1: I've won over Ben. I haven't won over Aaron yet, but no. I've won over Ben. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think there's good arguments on both sides for selling or buying, and I think it'll just depend on what Kyle does. So you
2: don't think holding is a good argument, Ben?
0: Uh, holding is okay buying i guess realistically buying is we're not buying anything substantial we're buying a shitty center to replace another shitty center on our team like we're not doing anything gargantuan but all right so we got two sellers and one holder i got the diamond hands on this podcast (laughs) keep kyle lowry (laughs) i still want to keep kyle lowry i just think we, we could get a lot for him I mean, it depends on what
1: offers are out there. That's always the caveat to these things and what the player's personalities are. And we just don't know that stuff. So I'm just trying to make my best case considering the unknowns that are out there. And obviously, if Kyle's adamant he wants to retire Raptor, that's going to change a little bit. But uh, all things being equal, we got to sell. Sell, baby! Okay, let's move on, guys. Because uh, before the season started, we did something that was uh, pretty interesting. Aaron, do you want to introduce this piece?
2: Yeah, so... Like Evan was saying, before this season, I wanted to put everything pen to paper, all our predictions, all our hot takes. So I think it was on maybe the first or second night of this season. I opened a Google Sheets spreadsheet and wrote down all of our picks for the various awards for over-unders based on the lines from Vegas. And I wrote down what, what we thought for all of these. So we're going to run through them and sort of see where they're at in midseason, see how bad our predictions really are. As you know, if you guys have been following my records of the podcast, you know I'm a pretty terrible prediction. So we're going to see how we're doing. So the first award that we did, the biggest one, MVP. So I had Jokic at the top of my list. Then I had Giannis, Anthony Davis, Don Chich and Tatum, Ben, you had Giannis number one. You want him to be the three-time MVP. Then you had Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Donchich, and Steph Curry. Gavin, you had Donchich, Anthony Davis, Harden, Curry, and Tatum. Right now, the Vegas favorite by far is LeBron. Then we have Embiid, Jokic, Curry, and Donchich. So I don't think any of us are particularly close because none of us had LeBron in our top five. I don't mm-hmm. know what we were thinking there.
0: Yeah, I kind of anticipated LeBron taking a step back this season and letting Anthony Davis take over more of the usage in the regular season, but that hasn't happened at all this season. LeBron's been phenomenal. So it just continues another year of LeBron bucking the trend of aging stars declining and he just continues to be superhuman. I guess we should stop doubting him.
2: Yeah, I think we all had AD thinking he would be the Laker leading them to the, one of the best records in the league, but that did not happen. The second guy and the Vegas odds, Joel Embiid, none of us had him on our ballot either. So we we kind of just completely missed this. I want to give myself some credit for putting Jokic number one. He's number three right now. So I guess I'll feel good about that when you guys didn't even have him on your list. But I, I'd say we, we kind of missed this one.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It's hard. Um, I still don't buy the the Joel Embiid stock, so there's that as well.
2: Me either.
0: Me either. I I buy that whole finish in the top five in voting, though.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think, barring injuries, I'm surprised LeBron's still the favorite, actually, to be honest. I thought Joel Embiid would be the favorite at this point for Vegas odds, because I think most voters would lean Embiid right now if they had to vote. Um, but mm-hmm. it's a long season. Things can change, and I think Embiid's health is always a concern, and if he can't he play the whole season is a big question mark. For sure, and I think I
2: think there's a big drive to give LeBron the award because he has been the best player in the league for the past 10 years. He just hasn't been the best regular season player.
0: Yeah, the narrative drive might just be too strong. I think Giannis has been sneaking his way back into the MVP conversation recently. He's been a lot better over the last month or so. I think he had a relatively slow start to the season, but statistically, he's climbing his way back in. I don't think there's any realistic chance that he wins it just because people are bored of him, but I think my pick isn't looking as crazy as it did a month ago. I'll say that much.
1: I do think that Harden has an outside chance of still winning the MVP. Ooh, this guy's no been, he's been on fire since he got traded to uh, the Nets, and if he keeps this up... Like he's just running that team and they've just been on a massive win streak. And I just don't see how you can make a statistical argument against him if he continues playing the way that
0: he is. He could average 30 points and 15 assists for the rest of the season. And he's not going to get in the top five for MVP voting. I think what he did in Houston, sabotaging Houston and bailing on them for the first month of the season, month, two months, I don't know how long it was. I think that just destroyed his chances of winning MVP. No one's going to be able to vote for him after that, even though I I do agree with you. I think he's been playing phenomenally and in a regular season should be in consideration. The narrative against him is just way too strong.
2: Yeah, I totally agree there, Ben. I think two other players have a sort of an outside shot and that's uh, Curry and Doncic. Curry has been incredible. He's been matching his 2015-16 MVP stats, and the Warriors would be absolutely... They'd probably be the worst team in the league without him if we're being realistic. And then Doncic has sort of turned it on a bit a bit more as of late. So I think those guys still have an outside shot. Could probably make the top five uh, if if they just stay healthy for the rest of the year too. i I'm telling
1: you guys, Harden will be on the top five.
2: Alrighty. I don't buy it. Let's move on to the rookie of the year. Uh, votes here. So coming into the season, I think we had all watched a little bit too much preseason OB Toppin because he was on all of our ballots, but we were unanimous in selecting LaMelo Ball number one. And I got to say that that has looked pretty fantastic. we nailed that pick Mm -hmm. where we separated ourselves with was with our number two pick. I picked Tyrese Halliburton. He's clearly been the second best rookie. Ben, you went with Isaac Okoro, who's been okay, I guess.
0: Looked,
2: yeah, pretty meh. Gavin, you went to Obi topping like we said. He's been hurt, so incomplete yeah. grade there. For third, I went with to top and incomplete there. Ben, I don't know what you were smoking that night, but you picked Malachi Flynn, who's been in and out of the Raptors. He's Looking been down good the in G the G League. League. But, Looking yeah. great
0: in the G League, I got to say.
2: <laughs> Notably, rookies do not get awards for how they play in the G League. And and Gavin, you picked Killian Hayes, who looked terrible and then got hurt. So He's been hurt. I think yeah. he would
1: have improved over the course of the season. My Toppen pick is looking bad because I didn't expect Julius Randle to play the way that he is playing. also been Randall.
0: hurt. He's been hurt. Yeah, been Ace hurt, has been so hurt. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. For this one, I was so confident in LaMelo being number one that I did not put a lot of thought into numbers twos, numbers two and three. So, Yeah. Lomelo's definitely running away with this award so I'm just going to take my points for getting that one right there's a
1: lot of season left for Halliburton to mess up and drop down
0: I don't think Halliburton could drop down
2: at this point I don't think any rookie's been close to him and maybe if quickly plays amazing he could get there but I don't Mm -hmm. see it I think Halliburton's the clear number two and I think I nailed this prediction
0: how is Anthony Edwards still third in the Vegas odds
2: He's going to put up those counting stats just because he gets to play 30 minutes a night and shoot as much as he wants. But yeah, he's been bad. So the next award that we did was the most improved player. So this award is one that's, I think, a lot harder to predict than the other ones. And that, that might show that might show us some of our predictions. So right now, the Vegas favorites are Jeremy Grant, who's who moved to Detroit, bet on himself, and is kind of pulling through on that. Christian Wood, free agent who signed with the Houston Rockets and played really well and has been hurt since then. Julius Randle, that's that's like the dark horse come from nowhere guy. Jalen Brown kind of making the move from fringe all-star to uh, like a serious annual all-star there. And then Zach Levine, same thing, like is improved a lot. So I think some of those guys have made the leap. We predicted, Ben, you went with your boy Lonzo Ball, Then kudos to you. You went Christian Wood and then Malik Beasley and Beasley has been really good this season too. Gavin, you put Christian Wood number one. So huge, huge shout out to you. I think you probably win this one because of that Christian Wood thing. Then you went with Kevin Porter Jr. Who?
1: No, Michael
2: Porter Jr. Oh, Michael Porter Jr. I'm sorry. Not Kevin Porter Jr. Also not a great pick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's much better than Kevin Porter Jr., yeah. though. I will True. say that. True.
2: Okay, my bad. And then you went with Markel Fultz, who tore his ACL. Yeah. And
1: he was looking great before he tore his ACL. He was. He I will was. say
2: that. Um, and then I went with De'Aaron Fox, who won't win this award, but but he has gotten better this year. And then I went with Derek Jones Jr., who is should not be on this list at all. And Seth Curry, who yeah. should also worse. not be on this list at all so i i flubbed this one
1: i like the malik beasley pick by ben that's actually he's a really good quality player that i've had my eye on um just it's too bad that he's playing on a team that no one watches
2: yeah are we sleeping on lonzo as most improved player
1: he'd have to have a really good second half of the season
2: he's I played well recently
0: he's he's been really good i don't think most improved is in the cards for him i think he would have had to be like borderline all-star for him to get consideration and so this was really more of a fantasy pick for me as a big Lonzo fan <laughs> trying to project that out into the universe but it hasn't quite happened
1: I want to point out that since Christian Wood went down with his angle injury Houston Rockets have not won a game they I think they've lost 13 straight since that happened um, I
0: think Christian Wood has a great case partially because of that Houston without him is awful so I it's think gonna be hard for him to win if he doesn't play more games though Right? yeah
1: he needs well he's gonna come back because it's just an ankle sprain um I don't think the timetable is that long and I think honestly if he hadn't gone down he might have had a case for All-Star. He was playing so well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. He might still so, make
1: All-NBA if he can
2: get up.
0: I guess as a center it'll he, be tough. He's yeah. not going to make All-NBA. No, with no. with how bad Houston is it's tough to see that happening. He could get but listed as he a he's been really maybe. good.
2: But so, Houston right now, I think they have a worse record than the Oklahoma City Thunder do, and they have a pick swap with them. <laughs> but it's top four protected from the Rockets' perspective. So, But uh, OKC could be swapping their pick, and I think everyone predicted them for the worst record in the league this year. So interesting there. Um, so... The next category that we did was the best record in the league. So right now, the Utah Jazz are twenty-seven and nine, clearly the best record in the league. And then there is a glut of teams, sort of at the twenty-four to twenty-two win area. We've got the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks in the East, and the West. We have the Suns, kind of surprising there. Then the then sort of the expected teams: the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Trailblazers. So I predicted the Denver Nuggets; they still got a shot. Outside shot, but they got a shot. Ben, you you predicted the Toronto Raptors. Could there be more more Homer pick than this?
0: Still a chance, baby. Still a chance. Yeah, I, I'm just going to put the X on this one right
2: now. And Gavin, I think you won this one clearly. You predicted the Nets.
1: Yeah, and I hold by that pick. I think they'll probably still finish. They're definitely going to win the East, in my opinion. Um, the West, we'll see how Utah does after the All Star break. But I think Brooklyn has a good
2: chance, especially if James Harden keeps playing. Agreed. And even if you don't necessarily win this because you don't pick the Jazz, if they finish with the best record, you will have won this because your prediction will be
0: much better than Ben's or I.
1: Absolutely right.
0: Yeah. In my defense, I didn't know we were going to be doing a podcast when we made these predictions. I didn't think anyone would be seeing these, so I might have put more thought into this if I knew this was getting released out into the universe for all time. It becomes
1: pretty obvious with your next pick, too. (laughs) Yeah, we've got
0: another homer pick for Ben. So
2: we, we then predicted Defensive Player of the Year. This one is a little more straightforward, so we only did one player prediction here. So right now, the favorite, the odds on favorite is Gobert. Then we're at Miles Turner, Ben Simmons, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, like sort of the usual suspects for this award. So I, Gavin and I, we both picked
0: Rudy Gobert. Great pick from us. Ben, uh, you want to explain your pick? All right. So I picked OG and Anobi. And to explain how I got here, I was like, if the Raptors do have the best record in the league, it'll be off the back of their defense. And who's their best defender? OG and Anobi. He's an all-NBA defender. If the Raptors have the best record in the league, they're going to have to give credit to somebody on the team. It's going to go to OG for carrying them on the defensive end. That's how I got here. I was living in a fantasy land at that point. Um, Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. You wish you could take it back, eh? Yeah. I... I stand by people that have dreams. You know, I support dreams.
1: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. OG's a great defender. I mean, he's definitely an underrated defender. I think he deserves more national kind of praise for what he's doing. It's just challenging because when people think of Defensive Player of the Year, they always pick bigs, unless it's the Golden State Warriors or Kawhi Leonard. Like, you really have to be an otherworldly defender if you're not six foot 11 and taller to get this award.
0: Yeah, I think rim protection is the crucial aspect that people really value in the regular season. I think OG has all-defense potential, but he needs to be healthy to get that.
1: It's going to be tough to win it if if uh, Fred VanVleet also is on the all-defense team, though. And the Raptors' defense yeah. is 14th in the league. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not a great
0: pick, guys. It's not a great
2: no, pick. <laughs> but I, I we do have worse picks coming up, not to spoil anything here. Oh, gosh. So the, ne- the next couple predictions we have are not awards they're more just predictions so first we picked the biggest flop player so this is the one player who's been the biggest disappointment in league so far uh gavin maybe, maybe i'll let you lead this one
1: i uh picked joel Embiid, and i think that my prediction is going to hold true it might not hold true how <laughs> For the regular season, but just Isn't wait he, for the
2: playoffs. Oh my! God. Oh, this is he's second season. in MVP right now.
1: I know that he's second MVP, and I—that's okay. I don't think I'm going to win this award, even if Embiid gets up to his old tricks down the ending stretch of the season. But come the playoffs, mark my words, there will be a flop by Joel Embiid. Both in his play, he'll be playing badly, flopping, and he'll also be flopping a lot while he's playing.
2: <laughs> Gavin, I'll give you ten bucks if he gets fined for flopping in the playoffs. Okay. He's not going to get fined.
0: <laughs>
1: they may won't do that. I, I thought that's what you were calling. <laughs> no, he will be flopping, but he's not going to get fined. Like that's okay, a there's okay. a difference there.
0: It's okay, okay. to admit you're wrong, Gavin. No, no I mean
1: I'm not going to win this category. I've come to terms of that. However, just wait for the playoffs.
2: Just wait for the playoffs. All right, you're, you're going to be vindicated in the playoffs. Okay, okay. Yeah. Ben, I think your your prediction could be equally as bad.
0: Yeah, I I missed pretty hard on this one. I picked Jeremy Grant. I, I did not believe in him betting on himself. I should have learned my lesson from Fred betting on himself. It always works, apparently, when you bet on yourself. Jeremy Grant's been killing it with Detroit. The record doesn't reflect that, but he's been their best player this season and scoring pretty efficiently. I thought he was going to be just jacking up shots and being terrible at it, but he's been pretty good at it, so... I'll give him his props and admit that I was completely wrong on this one. I
2: have an argument here that this prediction is actually worse
0: than Gavin's because Jeremy
2: Grant is the odds-on favorite to win Most Improved Player of the Year, which is almost the opposite of the biggest flop in the in the league. So you it could be almost there. like more wrong. How can wrong. you, How can a you be there. a
0: flop when you're the MVP though? Like that's he's that's only second. Be he's
2: only second. Oh. He's second in his category, whereas Jeremy Grant is first in his. So. Uh, yeah, it was not a I, great pick. Yeah, I clearly won. I picked Pascal Siakam. He's definitely been a disappointment. I don't know if he's been the biggest flop in the league, but yeah, he's definitely been the been, biggest flop. He's been but He's been a disappointing. disappointment, I'd say. Yeah, so I clearly win this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next, we also went negative for this next one. We did the biggest flop team. So this is the team that would be the most disappointing. So I'll start off and I say, I. I missed the boat on this one. I picked the Phoenix Suns. I thought that they were going to have trouble gelling and that Chris Paul would get hurt because he's so old. And sort of the opposite has been true. They are, I think, they have the second best record in the league. They're 24-11, so I lose this one. Ben, what did you pick?
0: I picked the Sacramento Kings. And, all right, I think their expectations going into the season were that they'd be a feisty team competing for the play-in. And... They've flopped moderately, I think, compared to those expectations. They haven't been good, but they haven't been a total disaster. I thought I was hoping there'd be a little bit more drama. There's been a little bit. Bielitza decided to sit out a month because he was so unhappy that he was playing behind Marvin Bagley. So there's been a bit of spice behind the scenes, but not a total implosion that I was expecting or hoping for. Um, so I don't think I really win this either.
1: I got to say, I think I've won this one. I picked Dallas. Um they were being talked about as being a in some circles a top four seed in the West and doesn't even look like they're gonna make the playoffs if they continue playing the way they are. Massive flop. Um yeah, but easy to see coming if you ask me.
2: <laughs> Gavin, <laughs> Gavin, you gotta walk that back a bit, okay? A bit. They're 18 and 16, and since they got their players healthy, they've been on a bit of a roll. Donch just looked pretty good again like they they aren't missing the playoffs they're not the biggest disappointment in the league but you did win this category
1: okay well maybe they'll play better down the stretch which should be great cuz yeah. i got luka doncic for mvp kind of hedge my bets there you know It's either going to be mvp yeah. or they're going to be the biggest flop one or the other
0: yeah snow in betweens <laughs> <laughs> maybe that would be awful though so if you guys
2: want to continue to listen to some truly terrible predictions we did the over unders for every team in the league. So what that means is Vegas, sets a line, a win total at, at let's say 42 and a half games. So if you win 43 games, that's the over. If you win 42 games, that's the under. So what I did is I take their, their predicted their predicted win percentage. So how many, how many games they would win over the season. And I compare that with their current win percentage and did some math there to see whether they're on pace or below pace to meet their over under totals.
0: All right, so I'm going to talk about a couple teams that we were all wrong on this season. So both the New York Knicks and Charlotte have overperformed expectations, and we all predicted them under for the season. So let's talk about Charlotte. Did any of you guys see this coming? I think they've been awesome this season, and they're going to be a feisty playoff team. Hopefully, Hopefully they make it into the playoffs and don't have a meltdown, but I think they're super fun this season. I didn't see this coming. I didn't expect LaMelo to be this good. I thought he was going to be the rookie of the year, but not borderline all-star level player. So coming
2: to the season, I thought a, I thought what the Hornets would be satisfied with as a, as a good season is Lamelo Ball wins Rookie of the Year. He look he shows some flashes of being maybe. Maybe he could be an all-star in the future, and they they lose a lot of games so they can get a top pick and get another star to put around LaMelo. I thought that would have been a great season from them if you're a Hornets fan, but they've been so much better than that. They've been feisty. They've been fun. LaMelo has looked like a real deal. He's been the real deal. He might be a superstar in this league going forward, so you have to be ecstatic if you're a Hornets fan.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff going well for them. Gordon Hayward has looked more like his old Utah self than his Boston self. Maybe it's just a larger role, but he's really complementing the other kind of big shooting wing players on that team. LaMelo, I thought he was going to be good, but I didn't think he was going to be this good. He's the absolute real deal. And then you're getting good contributions from other guys, right? Like P.J. Washington has looked solid. Uh, miles bridges has looked quite good just some nice explosive dunks great guy to receive lob passes from lamello and even terry Rozier has looked pretty solid so they got a lot of solid guys on the team right now and it's a very exciting team to watch i'm happy for them and i i, I want them to make the playoffs because i want to see that series
0: do you guys think their front office is a little bit annoyed about how good they are this season like do you think they expected this because i feel like they really did want that draft pick this season because um, i think they still want another young blue chip prospect to put with lamello and i don't know that they have that guy right now so do you think inside they're like ah, maybe we should just like let's get someone on the injury list here let's throw gordon hayward under a bus or something for the rest of the season or are they just happy with this I think you got to be so happy. You got to be so happy. Like you, you know, your
2: your your or your third pick overall this year is a superstar. Like, come on, you got to be over the moon. It's so much easier to acquire secondary players than it is to get the superstar. So they they got to be super happy.
0: Yeah, but Lamelo could be the superstar on a shitty team, not a like a borderline playoff team.
2: Now, I think I think they want to inject a little bit of hope, a little bit of optimism into the fan base, get people excited about the Hornets again, be like, "Oh, we're a fringe playoff team this year. Maybe we can make the playoffs for sure next year." And then see you start you start building from there. I think I think you got to be super happy.
0: All right, the other team that we're all dead wrong on is the New York Knicks. They've been surprisingly good and not particularly pretty. They're not as flashy and fun as the Charlotte Hornets, but the results have them, I think what, what's their record in the standings right now? They're currently fifth in the East at 19 and 18. Is this even sustainable?
1: Uh, It's fool's gold. I'll be, I'll just come out and say it right away. This team is not um, like they're performing well, but I think a lot of it is the Tibbs bounce. He's just playing their best players a lot more than most teams would in the regular season. And of course that's going to drive winning. Julius Randall's come up and, played out of his mind, way above what he usually plays at. I don't know if we can expect a slight regression there, perhaps. Maybe it's going to be consistent, but he's had an amazing scene, uh, season, way better than he's ever had before. RJ looks okay, but he's still not the outside shooter that and the efficient shooter that you kind of want him to be. I don't really buy what they're selling, unfortunately. I think they're outplaying. Their record is better than how they've been playing and I think we could see some regression in the second half of the season.
2: Totally agree there. I think they have one of the worst offenses in the league, despite Julius Randle being a, in my opinion, non-deserving all-star. So, you know, it's like, oh, if you have one of the worst offenses in the league, then you must have the one of the best defenses in the league. And statistically they do, but it's on, it's on opponents missing a ton of wide open threes, right? And it's like, why are your opponents missing wide open threes? They're not doing anything special. It's just randomness. So I think those are going to start to go in and they're going to start to lose.
1: I'm not super down on their future. Like I think they have some interesting players with RJ Barrett. He actually is shooting 35% this season on 3.3 attempts per game, but he's still taking a lot of those kind of mid range twos. And I would like to see him take more threes and more stuff at the rim than what he's been doing. He still has a tendency to force a little bit. And they have some other good young players, you know, Randall's not that old. I'm pretty bullish on, um, Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. I think he has some talent and he's pretty young and quickly has been a nice surprise for them. He's playing much better than his draft placement was.
2: I think what the Knicks lack though, is any kind of blue chip prospects. I don't think RJ Barrett is that mm-hmm. Julius Randall has one more year left in his deal after this one. So he, if he keeps playing this way, like he's going to get paid. Do they want to max Julius Randall when he's like turning 29? I don't know. And, Obi Toppin is a big question mark. He wasn't really a blue-chip prospect coming into it. I don't think he's shown anything that would say he's a blue-chip prospect now. So if if you're the Knicks, I think you want to continue to be bad because I don't think you have the talent for sustained success right now. Yeah. And given some of the moves that the front office has made and given Tibbs' track record for how he operates his teams, I don't think that's going to happen. So they might be more destined to be mediocre instead of bad.
0: I think for New York Knicks fans, though just having any semblance of competence is like mana from heaven at this point, having a team that is above 500 going to the all-star break. When's the last time they've had that? So I think this is, this is a positive that they can take away, but I do agree that their long-term future here isn't, isn't great. fibs um, as a coach is never known for developing young guys. They have players wasting away on their bench, like Kevin Knox and Frank Nitalikina that, They probably wanted to figure out if they were good or not. And I don't know if that's happened this season. Maybe they're just done as players. But I think there's been some wasted potential on this team. And going forwards, no one is scared of them in the future. So it's it's definitely mediocre going forwards.
1: I'm actually pretty high on their future. And it's because the Knicks don't need to be... They don't need a blue chip prospect as much as other teams. The bar is a lot lower for them than it is for other franchises. If they just have a bunch of solid role players that play their role well, are good on defense, it's New York City. They can get a free agent. That's how they get their blue chips. So if, you know, RJ continues to be a strong developer, you got Mitchell Robinson down low, blocking shots, rim protecting quickly turns out to be a good floor general. Like that's all they need. And then they're just going to get an all-star in free agency and they'll be right in the mix. They just have to show that they're competent because they're a huge market. And a lot of agents look at that and say, that's where I want my players to be.
2: Kevin, what happened two years ago in free agency?
1: Well, they strike out, but it's because their team is garbage, right? If they can have a 500 team with good role players and an all-star can look and say, look, they have some players they could put around me. Their defense is already good, so I won't have to worry about that. And it's the biggest market in basketball. I think they can attract some players. Kevin Durant didn't even take a meeting with them. He didn't even take a meeting. Do you remember what the Knicks were like two years ago?
0: (laughs) Not that different. (laughs) Another area of concern for them is that these these players that you talk about as being complimentary players for a star, none of them are particularly good complimentary players. Julius Randle needs the ball to be good. Manuel Quickly is a bit of a gunner. He also wants the ball and just wants to take shots. And then RJ Barrett does not complement a star by having good shooting or spacing. He also projects kind of as a sixth man, maybe playmaker off the bench, but he doesn't have that spacing to compliment a star. And... So I look at this and I'm like, I, would a star want to come play here? It doesn't seem super enticing, um, but they are better than in the past. I want to
1: point out a couple of things, though, okay? Like, first, I never mentioned Julius Randle. I'm not sure that's a piece they want to hold on to if they are trying to attract all-stars.
0: He's the but best RJ, piece. Barrett,
1: R.J. Barrett is a big-bodied player uh, at his position. His shooting has improved considerably from his year one. He's up from he 32%. 32% to 35% and more notably Three his free throw percentages have gone way up 61% to 73% and that is a good marker to show that maybe his shot is improving overall. You put that on top of being a solid defender and a big body like that's, that's pretty good. And Mitchell Robinson is a nice body to have in the paint. He's going to, you know, deter some shots at the rim quickly just needs to be a guy who can handle the ball, can hit open shots. And I think he's competent to do that. And he's smart enough to know his role. He's a very intelligent player. I'm not saying that these guys are world beaters. I'm just saying they're good enough that players will now think about coming to the Knicks.
0: I think players want to play with other stars. And I don't know that any star wants to play with Julius Randle.
2: (laughs) I also don't know if any star wants to play with Tom Thibodeau.
0: (laughs) That's also true. How How many years do we think Julius Randle's career has left with him being the star of a Tom Thibodeau team? four yeah it's, it's and he's like 25 scary. right now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right that's enough New York Knicks talk uh Aaron you got any teams in the west that we really missed on
2: yeah so I think the biggest one is obviously the Utah Jazz they have the best record in the league by quite a bit right now and they were predicted to be a sort of the middle of the road playoff team in the west and they they far they far exceeded that prediction so to me, the biggest thing for them is that they've been healthy. They've had all their guys there for most of the games, and and they've really gelled as a team. They they've played probably the most Spursy in offense since that uh, Spurs team that won the title, where they're just moving the ball around it's constant 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 ball movement lots of pick and roll with Rudy Gobert and they're, they're shooting the lights out especially because they get so many open threes and they got lots of good shooters as well and then Gobert is a defensive player of the year candidate and that's sort of been I think their recipe to win I don't think they're a real title contender though I think this is just the best this team can do and I don't know if it's going to come together for them in the playoffs three all-stars notably yeah, Mike Conley did make an all-star team finally I kind of wish he didn't I think DeRozan was more deserving but whatever
0: Yeah, I think it's a Lifetime Achievement Award, which is yeah. Mike Conley is a great player and a great human being by all accounts. So
1: I also want to point out we all picked the over on this one. So we were all higher on the Utah Jazz than Vegas was at this point.
0: Oh, we all got this right.
1: Like you said, I mean...
2: Basketball savants here. They've been playing beautifully,
1: and uh, I like watching them play the way they're playing.
2: Do you think do you think that they're a a playoff threat though? Because some people have had them sort of moving into the inner circle of title contenders. I don't think that they're there yet. I don't think that they have the star power. And I think teams are going to struggle to match up or they're going to struggle to match up with other teams rather when it comes to the playoffs.
1: Aaron, what would they be able to do in the regular season that would make you think they were a contender?
2: I don't know. I don't know what they'd be able to do, but they they have lost recently to other good teams. Like yeah. they lost to the Clippers where the Clippers just like matched up with them and switched everything and forced them to go 1 on 1 and they weren't good enough to beat that. They lost to the Pelicans the other day. Like, you know, they, they have they definitely have some chinks in the armor, right? I just don't think there's anything they could do except maybe going like 7 72, 72 and 0
1: or breaking some record that would like actually make you feel as though they were a contender.
2: But Gavin, what do what do you feel like?
1: I think I think that you have to say they're a contender at this point. Just having the best record in the league means you're a contender. And I don't care who's on your team. If you have that record and you're playing this effective basketball, their net rating is way above every other team's. I think we have to put them in in the conversation. Does that mean I think they're the number one team in the conversation? No, I'd still take the nets over them, I think. Probably the both LA teams. But I think they must be in that tier. You know, you got to give it to the team that has the number one record.
2: So you're putting them in the inner circle in the, in the top
1: four. Yep. I think so. But I also think this year is a bit of an interesting new year because there's so much variance in who might be healthy during the playoffs that I think that bigger circle, it's just getting bigger because anyone could win.
2: Ben, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think they're, they're real, but I do believe that the, the the matchup concerns, especially with the Clippers, I think that's a problematic matchup for them. They don't really have anyone that can guard Kawhi Leonard particularly well. Um, so that's still, I think, a bit of a weakness on their team. But like statistically, they're absolutely the best team in the NBA right now. It's just the playoffs are a whole different beast. And like Gavin was saying, it just really comes down to who's going to be healthy in the playoffs. I would still have them probably like there's like a tier one A and a tier one B and they're like tier one B where the Clippers and Lakers 2-2. and Nets are just slightly above them, but then they're above the rest of the field, I guess.
2: Okay. I guess I have them in a, in a, tier, I think with other teams in the West, like I would put them with the Nuggets
0: and the Suns as well. To me, they've shown that they're better than those teams this season, but I it's the playoffs are just such a different game that it's hard to tell. Um, I, I, I could see them flopping in the playoffs again, but the way they've been playing all season, it's, I think it's foolish to count them out.
1: The thing about this, you know, Utah defense is that they really capitalize on sort of the analytic shots, those good shots you want teams to be taking. They guard the rim superbly, and then they do their best to guard the three-point line which is what almost every team should be doing. It's probably the best way to play defense, but they are pretty susceptible to those teams that have high-efficiency shooters in the mid-range, a la Kawhi Leonard being a very notable player Mm -hmm. they might run into. And I don't know how well-equipped they are to guard against that. They just don't have a lot of those middling-sized players.
2: And I think that's what a lot of people see coming for them. Their wing defense is a problem. LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George... they're going to be problems for the Clippers or for the Jazz.
0: And then in the East too, like Brooklyn is going to feast on those mid-range jumpers with Kevin Durant and Kyrie and even Harden to some extent. Let's take a look at the games that are coming down the pipeline after the All-Star break. So the Raptors resume the second half of the season on March 11th, which is Thursday versus Atlanta. And then we have a back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday against Charlotte and against Chicago those are both away games. So, looks like three winnable games coming up. What do you guys think is going to happen next week?
2: It's really hard to tell because we don't know how many of the Raptors actually have COVID and which players they are. If they're just if they're just in contact tracing, they're obviously going to be back. If they have COVID, they're probably going to miss these games. So, so it's hard to say. So, I'm going to operate on the assumption that the Raptors have COVID. So, I think that they're going to go 1 and 2 this week because I think Atlanta is probably a better team than them with, with the Raptors being having COVID. Same with Charlotte and maybe Chicago. So I think they're kind of underdogs in all these games, but they're good enough to pull one of them out. Gavin? It's so hard to say.
1: Um, I do believe that some of those Raptors have COVID in particular. I'm looking at the Shams uh, tweet right now, actually, and it says seven out of 456 players tested positive on february 24th and he says in another tweet many of the positive cases as expected are isolated on one team toronto and to me that speaks to at least three players um if not more and i just don't think they'll be back so i'm gonna give them i think the raptors are good enough to still squeak out one win without those players back I'm just more worried about the ripple effects those positive cases might have on the rest of the Raptors' season. If those players have to take an extended break, what kind of shape they're in when they get back, if there are any side effects, and even worse, if someone has a really adverse, like a really bad case of COVID, what that might look like for the team. But I'm going to predict one and two because I think Kyle and Norm are good enough to get it done in at least one of those games. Interesting.
0: I am going to go zero and three and be a negative Nelly this week. Atlanta's got a new coach. You know, they have that, uh, what's that period called? The honeymoon phase or the honeymoon period. (laughs) So Atlanta will come out gunning against us. Charlotte, I think, is just better than us at this point. And Chicago has Levine playing really well. Uh, I think they'll be all right. And the Raptors are going to be struggling, especially the back-to-back. The schedule in the second half of the season is brutal. There's so many games coming rapid-fire. And when you're already hurt, like the Raptors are, it's just going to take a toll on all of our players and like how many games can Lowry play 40 minutes. And I think they're going to have to do some resting for him too, because he can't carry such a heavy load and they want to keep him healthy, especially if there's a potential trade coming. So I think these, until we're healthy again, it's going to be tough for us to win games. So I'm going 0-3. Good news
2: though, Ben. Good news. All the other teams are dealing with the same shit. So we might get some free wins, some schedule wins as well. Some wins where the other teams are missing their best players. So I'm not going to say the sky is falling just yet.
0: Well, I think right now we're the only team with a significant outbreak going on. But yeah, yeah, it could it could happen to other teams too. We don't know. All right, that does it for this week's podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. As always, if you have an email that you want to send us, if you've got a question, you want us to talk about something, send us an email at raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. That's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. We appreciate everyone listening, and if you want to give us a good review on whatever platform you use, that would be awesome. Thanks again. Bye-bye.